Hello, Transplaner podcast listeners. I am saddened to share that this is the episode where Lyra left Transplaner as a cast member so she could focus on work, gigging, and other real-life commitments. We wish them well on their endeavors, and never fear, Manaya will continue to be the paragon of Mahu, beloved to our hearts, though her journey will now be off-screen. We are sending Lyra well wishes and good luck on all future projects. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original, non colonial, anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie. My pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Sherzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglement, fantasy violence, death, references to hunting animals, and darkness. Arc 5, Episode 6 Fingers for Fires Found kindling to touch. From all pacing horses by loon and paper bee. The flat, bleeding noise of a horn cuts through the darkness descending upon Toktoa Kagan's military camp. Soldiers bustle from gur to gur, tent to tent, snapping salutes to superiors. Thick, Plumes of smoke rise from kitchen courtyards, hungry troops lining up for an early dinner of ribs, flatbreads, dumplings, cucumbers, tomatoes. A tall, muscular, half-orc lieutenant deposits firewood under the flapping canvas of a wooden lean-to, tossing a long black braid over her broad shoulder. The sharp, wooden walls of the camp are filled with the oily smell of cooking grease, the barking sound of laughing soldiers, and the deep chill of encroaching winter. We push now, past the slender gaps between the wooden stakes surrounding the camp, to see the dark expanse of the Ogumor River Valley beyond. The vast, winding Erk River in the distance, its surface glimmering with the final fingers of light the looming highlands with their snow-capped peaks, the rolling slopes turning black in the eventide. We push past a mossy boulder caked with frost, past dead and dying winter grass, and past a broad clearing to see Dewey, V, Abiku, 
and rev. 300 feet away from Toktoa's camp, the strings of magic in the air around you still pulling taut from the myriad's sudden departure. Rev is on her hands and knees, screaming and shouting wordlessly, uh, pounding the hardened earth with her fists. Her back heaves with exertion, her feathered cape dragging in the dirt. And after some time of Rev just roaring into the whipping wind, she begins to pull herself back up, her throat hoarse from screaming, her shoulders as taut and tense as a drawn bowstring. And then she whirls around to face your party, to face you, Dewey. And you see that both of her eyes, the gold one and the black one, burn with cold fury. You. You let him go. I had to know what he's what he knew. <laughs> no, you, you had to know. You had to know what he knew. Well, I'll tell you what he knows. And Rev, like, starts taking aggressive steps toward you, right? And you can just feel the animosity rolling off her shoulders as she approaches. Like, the earth even trembles at her, like, coming toward you. He knows nothing. He is a liar. That's what he does. He's a demon. He tricks and he swindles and he lies and he causes pain because that's all he lives for. That's all he knows. And you let him go. And what were you going to do? Kill him and then disappear? Uh, Rev, like, clenches her fists really hard at either side, right? Like, her, like, forearms, like, trembling with... You gather uh, every ounce of self-restraint it takes not to sock you in the face right then and there. And Rev just goes, You know, as well as I do, that I am not the same woman that I was back in the court. I have more than just my vengeance tethering me to this plane. Don't you trust me? I think Dewey, um... As Rev has stormed towards him, hasn't like moved backwards, mostly out of the, f uh, the fact that he's just like panting and his heart is still racing and he's too tired to get out of her way. And he looks up at Rev and says, I wasn't willing to take that chance. She's dead, Rev. There are people in the here and now that need saving. <laughs> what? And one of them is you. You think you're too good for this. You think you're too good to die with the rest of us when fate calls our names. That's what your whole- wasn't talking about me. Expedi- Aren't you? Isn't this what all of this is about? The Myriad came here for you to tell you something, not for me. He hardly even remembers me. He is the entire reason I'm here in the first place. He's not the reason I'm staying. And at that, Rev like glances at V very briefly before looking back at you. But he is the reason I came back. And you- you took that away from me when you protected him. And now who knows if he's going to come back? Who knows where he's gone off to? Who knows if he'll be able to avenge Leaf before we're all doomed to die in eight months? And if I die before I get the chance to set things right, then that is on you. I am new here, but... How would killing him make things right? You are new, Abiku. So I'll just tell you this. There are such things as justice in this world. And oftentimes you have to take justice into your own hands. Wrongs must be righted. Okay, no, I can understand that. But you march on an ally with 
anger, but we are all here for the same thing, but it sounds like you are not here for the same thing right now. <laughs> Ally. Ally. Not by choice. And like Rev sort of like looks you up and down, Dewey, with like whatever respect she might have gained for you after the events of too long seem to be completely gone. There's not an ounce of respect left in her eyes for you. Not by choice. I work with this coward. Not because I want to, but because fate has decreed it so. Because the Raven Queen whispers his name along everyone else's name for reasons I cannot fathom and do not wish to. I know what my destiny calls me to do. I must sacrifice my life and my soul for the protection and the betterment of Endake. And that I will do. But in the meantime, it appears I cannot even be afforded the smallest earthly pleasure. No. The smallest earthly vengeance and justice. That is what I mean. It sounds like you are here for your vengeance, not to help. Because there is a time for vengeance and justice and a time to focus. And it does not sound like you are focused. focused. You seemed quite focused earlier, but you saw one person and you... Focused? Yes. Abiku, you speak of focus to me. I, who am driven by nothing but focus you, who lost your focus multiple times on our way here. When we came back out of Toktoa Kagan's tent and you were staring wide-eyed up into, into space, into nothingness, when we had to focus on finding the herd, and you speak to me of focus? Yes. You are new here, so I don't yes. fault you for not knowing your place and knowing when to hold your tongue. I... I think Abika walks up to Rev. I may not be a paragon, but do not speak to me of knowing my place. I am on this group just like you, and I and have And what a right is your place? Woman, thrown out of time. Who are you? I... I am... I am here to help, truly. I understand that, Abiku, but please, this does not involve you. This is between me and the Myriad and Dewey, who has interfered well, one too many times. Earlier you told me to protect Dewey, and right now you seem like someone to protect him from. You know nothing. You know nothing of grief. What do you even have to lose? I have all of you now, and Vasca, and Costas, and Sun, and the Doctor, and the birds, and the seed in the bottom of the chasm, and... So tell me this, Abiku. If someone came by and killed all of us, killed the doctor, cut her head off in front of you, and held it up and laughed at you, and then threw it into an unmarked grave. If someone killed Vasca in front of you, Costas ripped their hearts out of their chests while they still beat and crushed them in their hands, and left and fled because you were not strong enough to stop them. And you saw this murderer again. Would you not... Use every ounce of strength in your body to enact justice upon this light that has gone unpunished. Would you not want to do that, not for yourself, but for everyone you've lost? All the lives that this person has, has taken from this earth, would you not? I would want to make things right, yes, but one, I, do, I cannot say that death is always the way to make things right the way you would, and two, if I had a friend to tell me that now is not the time, then I would listen at least to my friend and my ally. 
I I have not traveled with you all long, but it sounds like you've been together quite some time. But it sounds like if this person shows up and any of us do anything besides help you kill them, you will kill us if we get in the way. How How is that trust? I will not kill Dewey. I will not kill any of you if you get in my way. I might hurt you. I might shove you out of my way. But that's the difference between me and the myriad. That dog-headed demon. I am not a murderer. I am simply returning the favor. And if you don't trust me enough to think that I won't kill you, then our alliance here is done, Abiku. Oh, I did not think you would try to kill me. I did not. I shot at him. I was on your side. I am simply worried with how you look at Dewey because I know what intent can look like. And you have a lot of intent in your whole gestures to whole body right right now. <laughs> I just think that you both maybe need time to cool off and then if you want to talk later, but it seems like right now either of you may say something you might regret. Say something I might regret. No, Abiku, I think my eyes are for once unclouded. And Rev turns from you back to Dewey and just says, Fate might think you are the paragon of Galtanger, but a true paragon would not have let the myriad go. This is not what worthiness looks like. And on that, Rev is just gonna, like, turn and stalk away. As Rev goes away, V has been maintaining her eyes on Dewey this whole time. Not with a rageful look, uh, more of like a stupefied um, type of type of look. And once, once Rev walks away, I think V starts walking towards Dewey and says, I think a cooldown is exactly what we need. And she's going to grab Dewey by, you know, by uh, his shirt and cast Dimension Door twice, each time 500 feet straight up into the air. So now they're both falling. <laughs> While V's got Dewey in her hands. Okay, yeah. What the fuck? In just a split second, Dewey, uh, Abiku, there's just like a, a whirl of magic, and V and Dewey are gone. I don't know if you can tell what direction they went in, but they're just gone. Uh, and Dewey, from your perspective, you're immediately transported 500 feet into the air in the middle of like these like dense clouds. It's really cold up there, and you're falling. Like the wind is just breezing past your feathers, like like rippling all over your head, your face, your hair. Uh, and V is right next to you. Her hair also like flapping in the wind like a flag. Dewey, I made a promise to Rev that I would help her to kill the myriad. And you fucked that up. You got in the way of that. He'll be back. There's, he's coming back. You think he's going to leave me alone? You think next time we'll be right there, ready to take him on? Maybe next time he does find you when no one else is around. Have you ever thought about that? Meanwhile, we're falling. We have like six seconds at most to have this conversation. And I'm like, have you seen Rev? She's not going to leave me alone until she... Why don't you learn how to fly, Dewey? And with that, V pushes off in Dimension's door using the last of her meta magic so that she's back safely on the ground, leaving Dewey to fall. All right. Well, Dewey catches himself, but uh, takes like a tumble as he reaches the ground sort of rolls in the dirt for a minute. And I think V, uh, before going off towards the direction that Rev went off, uh, turns to Beacon and says, 
We're not going to kill each other over this stuff. But you're walking into a river of things that came before and are currently happening a Biku. And if someone had done to me with Sievert what Dewey just did with the Myriad and Rev, I wouldn't have been so kind to Dewey. And walks off towards the direction that Rev went. And, and that's when Dewey, like, hits the dirt <laughs> right next to you, Abiku. Wait, were you all up there? There was Not a poof by. and then the poof. Not by choice. You all have had a different journey than me and Vasca and Costas did together, it would seem. We've had our ups and downs. Oh, ours was mostly ups. It was a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was cold. But you get used to it. Um, Costas has an anger problem. Vasco was nice, but it seems everyone here is so tense still, like at the dinner. Uh, and Bika would go to like help Dewey up. But I disagree with Rev. I think there are more than one way to prove you are worthy. You don't just have to kill people. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll get, maybe you'll get through to Rev one day. I mean, she has her way, and I do not wish to make her feel like her way is incorrect, but I think if there was only one way to be a paragon, then everyone would be like her that was a paragon, and some of them are like you. So, must be more than one way. I am sorry, I'm sure this was a bad night for you, but I don't really have any other comforting words. No, thank you. This is, uh, the ones you said were good. Uh, I'm just gonna hang out here for a little bit. Are you sure you should be alone? Isn't that how this kind of started? Uh, and I, think I can Dewey, be, Dewey sort I can of be just, very quiet. Dewey walks a couple feet away and like lies down on the, on the dirt on his back. Like if the myriad comes again, fine. Abiku sits down like 30 feet away and is like, I can be very quiet. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Abiku, you hear Sun's voice sort of like creep up inside your mind, echo around the recesses uh, of your brain. Just go, I... There's some extra jerky in your bag. Do you think jerky will make him feel better? No, I don't think so. I think he needs to be alone, but I don't think he should be left alone alone. So we are going to pretend like we are not here. That's okay. why I'm being so quiet. She's talking out loud. Should I also be quiet in your head? Y yes. Okay. I'm being very quiet. We're so good at this. We're so good at this. Yeah, and Dewey, you hear all of it. <laughs> Like a Biku's, like kind of loud, like a Biku from 30 feet away. And I think on that, we are going to cut to V. I think striding after Rev, who's walked maybe like a hundred feet off and has just sort of stopped at like the bottom of the slope that the two of you were uh, looking up at the starless sky. Just, <sighs> I failed, V. I, I had my chance and I, I failed. It's okay. The first time I saw Sievert, I failed. The second time I met him, I failed. But the third time, who knows? If I whenever if I get a third time, I won't fail. Rev turns around and you see that her like face is just wet with tears. Like she like hid all of the sad, vulnerable, soft parts of herself until she was out of ear and eye shot from Dewey and a BQ. And she's just like her face is just cracked open with grief. And she's just has been crying. She looks at you and she just says, Sievert, he's part of the Chromium Order up north. That's what the Myriad said. I would go there right now 
but I have a very bad feeling about leaving Dewey here to do what Dewey needs to do. <sighs> Me too. I don't, I don't... For all my talk about trust, V, I... I don't think I can ever trust Dewey. I tried in too long when we talked about the Myriad the first time, and I saw that he was just... He's just scared, V. Just like all of us, he's just scared. For himself, yes. But for his family, for what a future might look like without him in it. And because he's so scared, I I don't trust him to make the right decision when it comes down to it. That god jar. Galtanger's not going to let herself be trapped inside some jar, inside some pretty birdcage. No, we have to stay. We have to make sure he makes the right choices, whether or not he wants to. Unfortunately, I agree with you. It's it's too important, you know, with Taktoa thinking that they have the ability to capture Galtanger. <laughs> no, we've, we've got to do this the right way. You know, Abiku says that we have to focus, but we're, we are focused. We have to be here and help Dewey. <laughs> He's so afraid it. I don't know. I don't I don't trust him much either. Don't really have much of a choice at this point. We've gotta make don't. sure the right thing is done, not hoping that Dewey does the right thing. You're right. The one person I trust here is you. So if you're staying, I'm staying. And after all this is said and done, after we shove the god shard of Galtanger into Dewey's soul, let's go up to Moro's. Let's settle this whole Seaver thing once and for all, and see if we can't take a better look at that tapestry. Agreed. Hey, I love you very much. <laughs> you don't think I'm a failure, do you? No. This is just a turn in the river, and we'll get we'll get the Myriad, we'll get Sievert, and then we'll get the Stranger. However, <laughs> we have to do it. I love you too, V. Thank you. V takes a hug, and you don't you don't see V being like the initiator of the hugs very much, but like you see just like letting Rev rest into V's body. And I think like on the hug, and we are gonna cut to the next morning. Of course, Dewey, V, and Rev. That evening, your dreams are punctuated by the same familiar nightmare that you, at this point, can almost memorize, right? A blood-red sky, a sundered crimson battlefield, thousands and thousands of eyes plastering horizon to horizon, leeching black, tar, thick, bloody tears onto the ground that splash and spawn monsters. Thousands and thousands of corpses, the Euclid chasm cracked open like a wound in the flesh of Andake, the stranger taller than the world, thousands of wings, feathers spread open between the gaps between the eyes, and that's when the three of you wake. At eight in the morning. Every time. And now, I think, is a good opportunity for us to, I think, start to prepare to capture the god shard of Galtanger and calm the great heard. And I would like to start preparations, actually, with V. Excellent. Uh, I think V, in preparing for this, she recognizes her own weaknesses, but she would like to go to uh, the soldiers and people caring for 
the horses, like all the animals in this military camp. And she would like to learn as much as she can about how to even handle animals because this is not from her life whatsoever. Okay, you go up to one of like the uh, horse masters. Uh, see, what do you call a horse person? Stable centaur. hand centaur? <laughs> no, uh, okay. V, you go up to the stable hands uh, and the horse trainers, right? Uh, and the higher ranking lieutenants uh, and captains and officers uh, who, who really know what they're doing on a horse, right? The corporals and whatnot. And I think like we just see you like walking up uh, to like a stable of horses to this big outdoor pen, right? Where you see like various horses galloping around. You see like stable hands like brushing down horses, uh, doing exercises, walking them about like smaller pens nearby. Uh, and I think there's like this big dwarven woman with this like thick bushy beard, right? Uh, tied up into these like black braided knots uh, down her front. And she's just sort of like barking orders in um, Kyrian, like to various riders who are uh, j- jumping their horses over like obstacles and like through ditches and-, and water and whatnot. And as you approach, she pauses to turn and look at you. Good morning, friend. Hello, well, hello. I was about to welcome you, but really I'm in your place. So you- Anyway, um, what lovely horses you have here, friend. I was just curious. I've never really dealt with animals before, and, uh... Oh, hold on, hold on. She says in common, right? What do you mean you've never dealt with animals before? You've ever been outside? Uh, Plenty of times, but why, why do I, why should I deal with animals when other people do it so much better, you know? If you need to rob a, a place, call on your friend Veeb. If you need to ride a horse... You're from a city? You smell like someone from a city. Let me guess. Dabathati. Dukau? I've, I've spent a lot of time in here. A little, little bit of there. I love Dukau. That's one of my favorite cities. Uh, I've spent a quite a considerable amount of time there. Forgot about it for a while. That's weird, but, you know... Uh, yeah, you you city folk don't couldn't tell your your way around the head or the ass of a cow. <laughs> it's true. If you were to ask me which one was the front, I wouldn't know. It's <laughs> that's why oh, I'm you're here. funny. Yeah, I, I like would, you. I would, yeah, I would like to uh, give me some basics if you if you be so kind. Yeah, you're uh, one of the dignitaries visiting the Kagan, huh? You're not a Kyrian, that much is obvious. No, 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 no. Uh, I did spend um, my early life in Jukai. It was close. Oh, Jukai. There's a lot of nature in Jukai. A lot of living in harmony, one with the trees, that sort of thing. Weird folk. I agree. That's why I left. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm here to learn, and I'm here to, you know... Between you and I, um, I'm I'm what you call... Oh, what's the word? A paragon? Uh, And it might be really... Paragon? The Kagan's the only Paragon around here. Paragon of Galtangers, what everyone says. Well, here's the deal, is that there's actually eight. There's eight Paragons. And, um... I know my fairy tales. There's talk that the Paragons are coming back. Something about the Paragon of Scottenectus being an eight-foot-tall elven woman with golden hair. Funny that you should say that. And I go ahead and cast, uh, disguise self to become an eight-foot-tall elven woman. Whoa! And this dwarven woman like looks up, right, as you like loom over her, like your shadow, stri- like your radiance of like the hair, like glowing down, forming a halo around your head. Wait, wait a minute! You don't mean to say that you're you're the. Y- y- There's you. another bright flash of purple, and then V's back like normal. Shh, yes, shh, it's 
between friends. I, you know, I look like this so I don't make everyone like, oh, it's the Paragon of Scott and Nectus, but, you know, Scott and Nectus, Scott and Nectus. Oh, sweet Galtanger in the sky. Well, yeah, okay. I'll, I can't believe the Paragon of Scott and Nectus doesn't know how to ride a horse. What, what do you need help with? Everything. <laughs> I know nothing. If you could, uh, how do I approach a horse so that it doesn't, uh, you know, try to murder me in my sleep? That'd be nice. Uh, well, first of all, on? if horses are trying to murder you in your sleep, you're doing something real wrong there, girl. All right, let me show you the ropes. Come back here every morning. And this dwarven woman starts, like, training you around horses, right? Uh, she, like, starts showing you how to handle them, like, how to ride them, how to, like, approach animals, how to talk to them, right? And I think, like, if you spend the majority of your time prepping just training with her, then by the end of this preparation montage, you can take proficiency in animal handling. Yes! I will take that. I will. V is dedicated. Yeah, for sure. Like, we see just a montage of you, like, rubbing, like, a bay horse's, like, cheek, like, feeding apples to, like, various steeds nearby. Maybe even you on the back of a horse galloping, right? Like, learning, becoming one with the herd, right? A very, like, horse girl montage for V. Let's cut over to Abiku. So, Abiku, why don't you tell me, how are you preparing for the great herd? I think I'm, like, asking... <laughs> I'm, like, asking other animals in the area, what's up with this herd? Uh, like, the animals that are kept by the Kyrians, like, they're, like, grazing cattle uh, and their horses, or, like, wild animals? Wild animals. Okay. Uh, the only wild animals that have not already been incorporated into the army's herd are probably birds. Like, various hawks soaring Perfect. through the air, like, Perfect. ravens, crows. with my yep. whole bird thing. Yeah, I'm, like... Every morning, I'm like, yeah, totally, breakfast. Yeah, I'm going to get a coffee and go for a walk. And I'm, like, finding wherever birds, because, like, right, because a lot of birds of prey don't get up super early the way that smaller birds do. And I'm asking them, like, what's up with this herd? Thing? Have you heard about this giant herd? What's the what's the scuttlebutt? I think I think we see a Biku just outside the military camp walls, like, maybe near, like, a big, like, watering hole area. Like, maybe there was, like, mm -hmm. rain last night and, like, this little ditch area is filled with water. Like, you see, like, a flock of sparrows are just sort of like drinking out of right this is like a first day out and as you approach the sparrows most of them begin to take flight because they're scared of people getting close but a few yeah. brave ones stay and they like cock their heads tentatively at you yeah i can't speak with animals uh, hello my name is abiku you should be able to hear me now friend friend yes scary friend big scary mm, i am very big i hope i am not too scary i don't i don't eat so you're safe with me Eat? Food? Food? Hungry? Seeds? Uh, oh, yes. And I'll take some, like, seeds out of my bag. The birds immediately, like, sev several of them, seven or eight, like, begin to flutter over and, like, peck at the seeds <laughs> that you're either scattering out or a few <laughs> brave ones will flutter up and land on your, like, hand to start to peck it out of your palm. Uh, yes. So there is there is a big herd near here. Do you know what's going on? Peck, peck, peck. Heck, uh, what, the main sparrow that's been talking back at you, who's sort of like, I think, on your hand, like, mm. uh, 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 eats a seed, uh, looks at you, uh, and says, Yes, yes, the great herd, the great stampede, the great herd. Foothills, foothills of the mountains to the north, to the cold north. You, they are in the foothills to the north? Yes, yes. Far from people. They don't like people. They like horses. They don't like people. No horse. Okay, people. What about, like, a bird person? Do you bird think that would person? 
Yes. Do you think that would, if a bird was a person, would that be okay? Era Kokra? Yes. Sorry, I'm not good with words. Era Kokra are scary to us. Uncanny Valley. I, I could see that. That I've always wondered, right? Because like they are a bird, but you are a bird. And people call them a bird, but you are a bird. Like stepping on your toes, yes? Toes, step. We fly, fly away, fly away from toe step. Right. Oh, so do you know this herd? Um, do they say anything else about besides not liking people? Scared, running, scared, running away, fleeing, from, fleeing. From from what? The darkness. The, the like, sky? Uh, when this sparrow on your hand whispers the darkness, the other sparrows take flight and fly away from the seeds. And you hear just a murmur of darkness, darkness, darkness. They fly away. And the sparrow on your hand goes, darkness, run, scared, hide, hide, gone, death, darkness. Wait, who are you Who are you scared of? I can protect you. Scared, fear, fear of darkness, scared. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Take some more seeds and you can go be safe with your friends. I am sorry. Go, 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 go. Thank you. And uh, that was that was me imitating a bird pecking seed. I love that. That's, you know, every time birds eat seeds, they're like, go, 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 go. Acting <laughs> nominated game master. Uh, the, anyway. I'm uh, the, sorry that I talk to animals. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. I'm really into it. Uh, the sparrow takes flight and also disappears, right? And you're left with that ominous warning, portent image of a darkness and death. And I think like maybe like if it's okay with you, Abiku, you try to find like other birds, right? Like other yeah. wild animals to like corroborate yeah. the story or like learn more about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the sparrows and the smaller like songbirds uh, all have a similar cadence of speaking and all seem to only have like a similar kind of simple grasp of the world around them, right? The other birds that you manage to talk to, like don't really seem to be able to give you more information than what that sparrow told you. So you get yeah. the sense that maybe you're gonna need a hawk or a falcon or an eagle or a bird of prey, something a little bit more like sophisticated and like long ranging to give you like a better overview of what's happening, right? So why don't you tell okay. me like how you find your first bird of prey throughout this week? Uh, I'm gonna try and find a raven or a crow because they are very smart. Abiku's like, I like those birds, like those birds could like almost talk to people without using magic. Yes. The crows are very smart. They like to hang by the Kyrian camp's grain stores, right? Mm -hmm. And like wait for like a lackadaisical like soldier to like leave mm -hmm. it slightly open and they'll like attack the grain stores, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're really smart, the crows here. So I think you find like two crows perched on like a, a wooden post like mm -hmm. nearby like where some of like the food storage is which is also mm -hmm. right by the archery range okay <laughs> i think i i try nonchalantly straddle up like i'm walking up to someone like at like a party and i speak with animals you want some grain grain Look at this one, Silver Eye. This one speaks our tongue, Grain. I could help you out, but you have to help me out. Nothing is free. What do you think, Blackbeak? Says the other raven. Help the person out get some grain? Perhaps, Silver Eye, we do like grain, but what will you give us aside from grain? That's right, we are not just motivated by grain. We like shiny things, person. 
Oh, I know someone who has lots of shiny things. I can get you some of their shiny things. Hmm, perhaps we can be persuaded by some shiny things. What would you like to know, person? I need to know more about the herd at the foothills. Ah, the person wants to know about the great herd. The great herd, yes, we've seen the great herd running all around the valley up toward the highlands as well. Oh, okay, that is good information. That is already something I didn't know. So I would want anything you can tell me about the great herd and I can get you some shinies and some grain. Bring us the shinies first and then we'll talk. Okay. Abiku leaves. <laughs> yeah, uh, Abiku, on your way out, like, I'm assuming you're going to, like, V, or, like, someone you know with, like, coin yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on your way out, you have to stride past the archery range. Uh, and that's when you see there's, like, a big crowd gathered mm -hmm. around what appears almost to be, like, an exhibition, like, some sort of demonstration, mm -hmm. right? There's, like, people mm -hmm. murmuring, murmuring, and you hear someone go, whoa, wow, of course, the Kagan's the most incredible archer I've ever seen. And like, cause you're so tall, you're able to just look over everyone's yeah. heads. To see in a clearing by herself at the archery range is Soktoa Kagon, uh, the human woman in charge of all of this, right? In a hair pulled up in a no-nonsense bun, face chiseled and focused, right? And she's got a regular longbow drawn at like a target, maybe 400 feet away. And people mm. are like murmuring and murmuring. And then she just sort of lets it go. And it like hits, like spears the bullseye, like right in the middle. And you see like several other arrows like in the bullseye area as well and like the crowd like murmurs again uh and Toktoa hmm, lets out like a confident smile and like lowers her bow uh she turns around actually to look at the crowd and her eyes meet you uh, hello you are the Kagan for real yes oh, what do you mean for real uh don't worry about the paragon business paragon business hold on abiku ishtar yes Yes, I have not met you for real before, but you are the Kagan. And now this time when I meet you, I know it's you. Instead of embarrassing myself and being like, who are you? My generals have told me of your presence around this camp. You're an odd one, aren't you? But I've seen you with that bow strapped to your back. And her eyes fall on if you carry it with you, like yeah. a quiver full of arrows in your bow. Oh, yes, I am something of an archer myself. Care to join me? Oh, sure. Uh, do you have anything shiny I could have if I beat you? She smiles, right? And like <laughs> a very amused smile. And she says, why, yes. Why, yes, I do. If you beat me. Okay, so I will do this and then I get the shiny thing and then that will be it. That will be good. Yes, this is good. Uh-huh. And she's like You're continuing to look at you like very amused. <laughs> quite good. <laughs> why, thank you. And at that, like, it's one of the ge generals by her side actually, like, snaps to attention and says, You do not address the Kagan as simply quite good. She is miraculous. She is marvelous. She is the paragon of... And Toktoa Kagan raises a hand and says, That's enough, Earlig. Here. Oh, are you a paragon too? <laughs> I like to think that I will be one day soon. Why don't you come oh, join I me? Oh, surely. I, as well, I used to be like that, but then I had a whole existential crisis thing and I got over it. You are an interesting one, Abiku. I, you travel I, with the dignitaries and yet you seem a little out of place. I keep getting told that. I just say, not to always when I'm thinking, I say what I mean. I don't think a lot of people learn to do that. Hmm. 
It's because people tend to take advantage of those who say what they mean and mean what they say. And she is sort of like um, passing the bow that that she was using like off and like Mm -hmm. picking up a different kind of bow and like testing Mm -hmm. like the bow string, sort of twanging it and like turning it side to side. Do I need to use a normal bow? (laughs) Use whatever bow you're most comfortable shooting with, Abiku. Okay. Uh, She'll get out her a dragon wing bow yeah as it like flips open right like the crowd goes oh like they murmur they like look amongst themselves and like they they're, they've got their arms crossed they're sizing you up you know like because they're going up against their leader they're like looking you up and down mostly up because they're so huge um that's a nice bow you've got there thank you it is mine i do not have to remember where i got it but it, whoever got it or if i made it it is nice or maybe it was given or i found it hmm is that so? Uh, yes. Abiku, does your quiver contain arrows? Or do you have a quiver? No. <laughs> she doesn't have arrows. Uh, she, she turns to one of her, like, uh, uh, lieutenants and just goes, fetch this woman some arrows. No more arrows, though. What do you mean? Oh, I... I've, I don't... I don't know. I don't use... No, I, my bow just gives me arrows. Uh, she cocks an eyebrow and like the, uh, the the murmuring grows and she raises a hand and the murmuring stops and she says, very well. Why don't you take the first shot? Ladies first. Okay. I, oh, I did not ask, are you, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her, but uh, for the right person, I might also be referred to as daddy. This is me, one second. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, because like, Oh, we are flirting. <laughs> uh, Toktoa simply like quirks the side of her mouth, like raises her eyebrows and says, take your shot. Okay, daddy. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Topped by a woman half your size. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, Biku goes, she draws, she pulls back her bow and that same like, I feel like the whole crowd feels like a rushing of wind, and then there's like this solid arrow made of wind, and I will a world a hit. Correct. Yeah, make an attack. Yeah, make an attack roll. Yeah. Big money. Pretty big money. Uh, what's seventeen plus nine? I'm two. I don't. Six. Thank you. I don't do math. Twenty six. Nice. You hit the bullseye. I think you even split an arrow in the bullseye, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. like this like arrow made of like pure magic whittles through the air and just splits an arrow already lodged into the bullseye. The arrow that Toktoa just shot like a couple minutes ago. And mm-hmm. the crowd just goes, what? what the? And they're like murmuring amongst themselves. Like a couple of like, incredulous soldiers like drop their arms or like, you know, like looking around and Toktoa mm-hmm. laughs. <laughs> You're a pretty good shot yourself. Thank you. I, I mean, I knew that, but I am glad that you understand it now, too. <laughs> well, allow me. Uh, and she gestures at someone who actually trots forward and holds, like, a, a special bow out. If V and Dewey were here, you'd recognize it as the same bow Toktoa used in, like, the fight against the Paragon Killer um, in, in the wedding hall uh, back in Sulong. It's sort of like a um, composite bow made of, like, polished horn with these colorful inlays and this, like, uh, beautiful, like, bowstring, right? Smaller than yours, I think, uh, but it looks like handmade and like uniquely crafted just for Toktoa. And it also doesn't appear to have any arrows that come with it. Uh, Toktoa picks it up 
uh, and sort of gets up onto the platform like as you step down from it. Uh, and she is going to just string this bow back and you similarly, Abiku, like feel the air around you quiver and like like tighten and tense, like just as if she was also like stringing the weave as she's pulling it back. And you see like a golden stretching from like from from the bowstring all the way to like the handle of the bow, like a golden arrow just like ripple itself into existence with like a pointed tip, uh, and she like lets it fly, and her arrow like whizzes through the air, and it bisects the magical one that you'd also put in the bullseye, <laughs> right? So it's like another layer of. And, like, the crowd is, like, losing their shit. The crowd is collectively losing their mind, right, as she does this. Right? She lowers her bow and she, like, looks sideways at you and, like, gives you kind of a cheeky wink. Hmm. I want to continue this, but I was doing something important. But, frankly, I, I kind of want to stop doing all of that. And, you know, we can stop the whole arrow thing and just go back to the tent. <laughs> oh my god so forward abiku uh Toktoa throws her head back and laughs <laughs> why aren't you an eager one i like you and she sort of like I looks you up and down what they mean i don't i mean we could keep the whole arrow motif going if you want i understand you're probably working right i was also working but i i do need to get something shiny and continue what i was doing what's quite important with galtanger i like you you're a breath of fresh wind around here. And she like hands her special bow like back to this like very like like bowing like servant, like who like takes it I'm on just, like, a like talking cushion. all out of pocket in front of like all her people. Literally in front of everyone. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the fuck? Like looking at you. And this like servant like moves away with her bow and she goes, ha Well, yes, you're right. I am quite busy and I assume you are as well. But uh as for something shiny, I think you've deserved this. As she pulls out like a little, a beautiful like golden Kyrian coin. Like that Ooh. like catches the light. It's almost like it absorbs the light and then shines it out like a little, a miniature sun, right? And she flicks it toward you. Catches it. And I'm not eager. Um, spend, I've been spending a lot of nights alone. So I guess eager is the correct word, but it gets boring. Hmm. She strides close to you, uh, so her people can't hear. Uh, she sort mm -hmm. of whispers up into your ear, meet me in my tent tonight after you're done with your uh, shiny thing. Okay. She says, looking at the coin, like at normal speaking volume. <laughs> and, and, walks, I, yep. and starts to walk away. <laughs> yep. And on you walking back to the crows, we're going to cut to Dewey. Literally less than 24 hours after Abiku saw me getting murdered by Dr. Logan. <laughs> <laughs> uh dewey dewey uh as as we cut to you why don't you tell us how you're preparing for the great herd uh so dewey i think has done away with the dinky little flower pot that um he lied to talk to about being the god jar so he's i think he's in like the area where the smithies are near like the furnaces uh, and trying to find someone who maybe could help him work with clay to sculpt a jar. I think you see like a very big and muscular like elven woman uh, who clearly seems to be like the head smith here in charge, right? Like everyone's going up to her and like getting designs approved by her. She's like the biggest person here. She's her like entire face is just stained with sweat and soot. She's got these like huge gloves on this huge like thick like kind of like denim apron in front to sort of like 
I think, protect herself from all the heat and like a face shield that when you approach, she flips up. Uh, I think you're in front of like a furnace, right? And she's in the middle of like taking like a glowing, bright, molten red blade out and just like dunking it in water as you get close. And she like flips her face shield up and looks at you. And you see like a. Uh, she's got like a scar that looks like maybe like a wolf attack or something like r- ripping down one side of her face and her uh, the other side of her face has like a burn scar. She's just like scarred all over, right? And like her short, like shaved hair, like all the way down to the scalp, right? This like kind of like dark skin. She looks at you and says, can I help you? Uh, yeah, I was wondering, um, could you maybe help me fire some ceramics that I made? She like lifts the the molten blade out of the water, puts it on like an anvil, starts cling, 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 like while you were talking, sparks fly out, right? She has like slapped her face shield back down and like maybe you're like barely avoiding getting sparked. Firing ceramics. This ain't a hobby shop, Sonny. Uh, it's for uh, dealing with the herd. Um, ah, you're one of the dignitaries Taktoa was talking to. Uh, yeah, that's me. I'm under orders to help you if you need any help, so I guess I have to. Uh, She, like, pauses in what she's doing, steps away, right, pulls her, like, gloves off and, like, tucks them in, like, a thick leather belt and flips her face shield back up, like, scrunches her scarred face down at you. What's this about ceramics? How's that gonna help the herd? Uh, I figure rather than fighting the herd with swords and bows and whatever, uh, this is just, like, an alternate, uh, You're gonna catch him in a little jar? Is that the plan? Look, I just need help firing a thing. All right, all right. Show it to me. Uh, actually, uh, he's made, he's got like a bag full of like jangly, like bone dry ceramics um, that they're just like different shapes and sizes. They're some with straight sides and some that are like thrown on like a wheel, like a, he wasn't the one who put together this jar to begin with. So they've got like uneven sides. Uh, the bottoms are cut off at like an angle. They're not great, but there are a lot of them. She rummages through your sack of jars and like without asking, she pulls up an uneven one. She goes, that's trash. And she talks it over like her back and it shatters like against the ground. Uneven, shoddy worksmanship. Hey, no, I, God, I who made for... these? And she's like shattering them over her shoulder like one after the other. I thought you just made weapons. I, I need those. Weapons, Sonny, are a work of art themselves. I actually come from a pottery background, but ever since there was rumblings about some sort of war happening, took up the mantle my old daddy put down. He used to make swords for uh, adventurers and mercenaries. But then one of those mercenaries got real angry, said a sword broke when he was hacking at it, at a bulette with it. My daddy told him, you dumbass, why are you hacking at a bulette with a sword? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that mercenary just went off and chopped off my daddy's hand. And ever since that, my daddy said, you know what? I hate this business. I'm going to hang up the old apron. So I decided to take the apron off, put it on me, because I figure if a mercenary tries to talk at the side of his mouth like that to me, I'll chop off his hand too. So you've made the transition fairly well. Uh, you're head of the Kyrian armies? Yeah, I'm now. the head blacksmith here. I'm the cool. best damn smithy this side of the Euclid chasm. And she pulls out the last pot that she hasn't shattered and says, and no, this she trash did all too. Of that? Yes. When no, <laughs> she was like those. telling the story, she was smashing the pots over her shoulder. She picks up, she picks up the last one. And I think like your eyes go out as she like moves to smash it too. She throws that over her shoulder as well and it smashes. You want me to fire one of those? 
I'm sorry, but I'm not putting trash in my kiln. Okay, well... Let me make one for you. This is ridiculous. And she, like, goes over to, like, a bunch of, like, raw materials. Like, it, like, just, like, wet clay and, like, various, like, moldings in just, like, one corner of this, like, workshop. And as she starts to just, like, scoop random shit out and put it on a workbench, she just says, What are you trying to make? Some sort of jar? What's the purpose of this jar? Uh, I'm gonna hopefully enchant it with some, like, holding magic, some containment Don't magic. tell me you're actually trying to just put put the animals inside some sort of jar of holding. It's all experimental. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. You know, there's a story uh, too long in mythology of a cupbearer of uh, Meng Shenzhi who is able to scoop up all of his dreams in this big jar. And like, she goes on to tell this story as she like starts like sitting down on a pottery wheel and like shaping something, right? Just like... And like you see this like beautiful vase start to take shape, right? Like with sort of like a um, undulating sides and like a flared top, right? And she's just sort of like molding and shaping, kind of like oblong. Uh, but something about it, I think, Dewey, as she's making it and just sort of telling you about whatever, something about the shape of this jar calls to you and makes you feel like maybe this, maybe this is the jar for you for this instance. What about it? I think um, it's there are like holes cut out in a pattern on it. Uh, so that you can see like the sun through it, through like half of it. But it's, it's like not so many holes that it's not structurally uh, sound. I like that. Yeah. It's like very like sun facing. She like makes the holes and takes it off. Right. And she starts like prepping it to be fired. Uh, and she actually just sort of says over her shoulder, uh, what color do you want it? Do you have something in the yellow family? Yellow? We got gold, Sonny. We don't call that shit yellow here. <laughs> uh, gold is good. All right. Golden jar, just like Altanger. Funny. And she like takes <laughs> off some gold paint and some gold materials and starts like like imbuing the clay with it. And then she starts prepping it to be fired after putting some like detailing on it, right? This look good to you? Uh yeah, that's a lot better than and he glances over at like the pile at the of shattered. <laughs> yeah. Did you make those? Yeah. I it's you know, fine. stick to whatever wrench thing you've got going on in your tool belt. Uh, I don't think you've got an artistic bone in your body. No offense. I'm no, I'm not a good singer. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a singer. And she goes on to like launch us into a story about like operatic singing adventures in Jukai. And she like puts it on like a big like shovel and like puts the shovel into the kiln and starts firing it. And I think like <laughs> on a pizza battle, yeah, the pizza. And she takes it out. Um, and like after it's been fired, she takes she takes the pottery out of the furnace and you see a beautifully finished like glazed golden jar that's just sort of like radiant and translucent and just shimmering in like I think like the setting light uh, of the sunless sky. What do you think? That's beautiful. I almost don't want to use it. Uh, it's it's great. It's so much better than what I could have made. Thank you. You're very welcome. And hey, Every good jar needs a lid. And she picks up a lid that she fired with it and, like, puts it on top. Here. And she hands it to you. Uh, thank you. I think it's I think it's um, as big around as Dewey's able to hold within his arms. So you see him awkwardly, like, waddle away very carefully, holding this enormous, beautiful golden jar. As you waddle off, the huge elven woman, as soon as you're out of earshot, goes, Fuck. I made it a little too big, didn't I? Forgot how small that guy was <laughs> as you're like waddling <laughs> off. And now I think we cut back to V. 
So over the course of this week, right, all of these scenes happen, I think, out of order of each other chronologically. Over the course of this week, V, I think you've befriended four specific horses that we will later use to travel to chase the herd, right? So why don't you tell me what, which of these four horses you have bonded with the most? Yeah, um, God, I wish I, in real life, uh, knew any names for a horse. Uh, we'll just, uh, we'll say that there was a horse who is, uh, very, uh, a medium-sized horse, not like the biggest horse, not the smallest, but a nice medium-sized horse, very lean, sort of a, a black, glossy coat. It's kind of, though, it has a little bit, like, with other people, it's a little bit, like, startly and, or can be a little chaotic at times, but for whatever reason, V and this horse, who uh, is, let's say the horse, oh gosh, Oh God! Is this how it feels to GM? I don't have a name. Just I can right I can give there. you a name for this horse. The dwarven yeah, woman introduces this particular horse as Shadow. Shadow, perfect. Uh, Shadow and V uh, have really bonded. Uh, I think V is one of the few riders who has gotten this horse to like really like believe in each other because V is also like willing to do wild weird stuff. If the horse bucks one way, V just goes with it and like shows off and flies over and leaps over weird stuff. You've had like a miniature bonding adventure off screen with this horse. Like you've had like a mini like spirit movie, <laughs> spirits, like Stallion of the Cimarron where like, like the horse broke out of the pen, you had to chase after it. You had to like get on top of like a tall hill and jump over a chasm together. And like, now you're like back at the camp and the two of you trust each other innately, right? Like you and Shadow, really hot exactly. horse. But for you, Shadow listens. Mm-hmm. I really like that, yeah. I think like the Dwarven woman, like the stable master, just sort of like at the end of this like week just goes... I got nothing left to teach you. You're a, you're a real good protege, let me tell you that. You sure well, you uh, don't have a Kyrian ancestor in your bloodline? You know, it's, it's when you just say that, I really don't know. Maybe, perhaps. Maybe someday <laughs> I'll find out. Well, Shadow really seems to like you. You should definitely take Shadow out to uh, do your... And she, like, leans in. Paragon business. Well... Let's just keep the paragon business between you and I, but uh, let me you got you, friend. it. This horse and I, we're gonna go far together. I can feel it. Anything else I can help you with? You've been more than kind, and in fact, I think V pulls out like a uh, five gold pieces and puts it into the dwarven woman's hands. Thank you so much for everything you've given me. Oh, I can't accept this. It, it, it's my duty and my honor to help a paragon. Don't worry, I'm not paying for your services. I'm just, there were five gold pieces in my hand and now they're miraculously in your hand and I'm not going to tell anybody. You're not going to tell anybody. It's just miraculous. It's, it's you know, the weave that works in mysterious ways. I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor working with you. What was your name, by the way? I would... I never I, gave it to you. <laughs> These right. past few days, I never gave it to you. It's uh, Baffa. Baffa, perfect. I thank you so much, Baffa. If I need anything while I'm still here, I will find you immediately. Absolutely. Now I better go check up on my uh, wife and children. I've been rather absent just training you all day, so I think she's pretty bad. Yes, we do not want absent, uh, you know, parents in their lives or, or spouses. You should go take care of what you need to take care of. Yes, I will do that. Again, it's been such an honor and a pleasure. And Bafa, the dwarven woman, uh, scampers off, right? Leaving you alone at the stables with uh, your horses. So V, why don't you tell me? You've got like, you've got like room to do like one more thing. 
Alright, I think V is gonna actually hop on, uh, on Shadow real quick, and in a very, like, fly out of the camp and go out into the, sort of, a little bit of wilderness and pick some flowers and then maybe bring them back for Rev and bring her a little bouquet of wild-picked Kyrian flowers. That's really cute. Yeah, this entire time Rev has been training. Uh, she's been like in the training arena, like sparring with the other Kyrian soldiers. And like you approach just as like another Kyrian soldier hits the dirt, like a massive Goliath man who goes, oh, she, he like rolls to the ground, and, like drops his like spear, like has like, the you know, circular eyes going on when Pokemon are knocked out. Uh, and Rev turns around with like grim, like twirls it around her hand. She says, who's next? Come on. Are these your best fighters? Fee. Oh, hello. Um. I'm uh, stepping up for the challenge to uh I, c I could fight you and then he like, pulls <laughs> out the, uh, the the bouquet of flowers and uh, oh these I, are uh, beautiful thank you yeah I was just you know on a little horse ride through the countryside I thought I would uh, I saw these and I thought of your beauty and their beauty and why not give something that is beautiful to someone who else is who is beautiful I see you've been spending a lot of time with Shadow. I've been missing you these past few days. Thank you. And like Rev takes the bouquet and smells it. <sighs> smells perfect. Just like you. I was going to say they look perfect just like you, but you stole my line. <laughs> you want to watch as I kick some of these dudes' asses? Oh, would I ever? And like, be like, like in a very acrobatic way, like flips up into like a fence or something, and it's like balanced and like just sitting on the fence. Right, and you watch your girlfriend like beat up some huge dudes uh, for the for the rest of the day, I think. Um, and on like Rev, like parrying like against like someone like attacking her with like a short sword, we're gonna cut over to a Biku. Uh, who has returned to the ravens, who are still waiting by, like, the grain barrels, right? Um, Silver Eye, Coxa Silver Eye, uh, up at you uh, and says, Shiny thing? Did you find us a shiny thing? <gasps> and, like, both of the ravens start, like, chittering in excitement, right? As you, like, approach with the golden coin. You are very smart. You are not like these sparrows. So you have to give me what I want first, and then you get this. All right, all right, all right. We can tell you're not just you're not just a regular person. First of all, you can talk to us, and the handful of people that have been able to talk to us, we've been able to uh, what do they call it, Silver Eye? Bully. That's right. We've been able to bully to to get things that we like. But we're not going to be able to pull a fast one, are uh, on you, are we? Well, you could try, but I you would not want to do that. No, it's just come on. All right, all right, Blackbeak. Let's tell them what we know. Unfortunately, what we know about the Great Herd and what the Great Herd is running away from is limited. Because any bird who's got half a brain knows to stay away from the darkness. What is what what do you mean by that? Birds keep saying that and then they run away. Blackbeak uh, and I have only seen it on the horizon. We don't exactly know what uh what it is. It doesn't smell or look like anything that we've ever seen before. Like one of these uh, new monsters after the big dark. Yeah, yeah, after the big dark and the emissaries and the gods left. So there's a, you are very informed buds. So there's a, <laughs> there is a darkness that you all see that is like coming for you and you leave. Silver Eye says, yeah, a big darkness. 
it swallowed up the entire lowlands right in the shadow of the highlands up north. None of us are brave enough to get close. Well, let's not say not brave enough. We're not dumb enough to get close. The only birds dumb enough to try their luck up north are carrion birds. Vultures, you see. The so darkness leaves death in its wake, and the vultures like to pick at the bones. But we think that's much too risky for us. We prefer grain you, storage. Do you know any vultures? Uh, we might know a couple of vultures. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, yes, yes, yes. There's a big hmm. one. He's he's missing a, his his left talon. Goes by the name Shriek. Shriek. He's, he's in charge of the vultures up north. You see. Okay, that is okay. That is that is. Thank you. That is very helpful. Um, and she goes to flick the coin. I I have one more uh, thing uh, to ask. Oh, what is it? What is it? We want the shiny. We want the shiny. Yeah, that's right. Would Give us one the shiny. Of you, would one of you be willing to take a little trip? A trip. Yes. Now, to be fair, I don't know where you it would send you. You're gonna have to tell us more than that, person. This sounds real sketchy, and we're pretty uh, sketchy ourselves. I just have a message to get to someone, and I, it requires me to use a spell. And for most people, I think they don't think about it because they see a bird, and they think it's just a, you know, an animal. But I can, like, talk to you, so it's weird for me to use a spell to make you do something and I'd rather not, so I thought I'd ask you if you'd be willing to take a message from me, and then I can give you the spell, and then you will know where to go, and then you will give the message. But I wanted to make sure it was okay first. Okay, how far are we flying? It would be away from this darkness, it sounds. You change of pace. Hmm. The two ravens look at each other, uh, and Silver Eye says, Well, I've always wanted to visit a mountain stronghold. And the other raven goes, yeah, and I hear the bird bats up in up in the stalactites are uh, real dumb, and their eggs taste real good. All right, we're in. Oh, you both want to go. Perfect. I have two messages to send anyway. And then I would cast Animal Messenger twice. I want to let Oka and Sitlali know I got their letters. Things are very tense. Does anyone like anyone in this group? Are you going to give them a way to respond? I don't think there's a way to respond with Animal Messenger now. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Silver Eye and Blackbeak nod uh, and they... I toss my coin. <laughs> they take the coin, right? And they're like, all right, dang it. How are we going to take this shiny thing with us? And they start like quarreling amongst themselves, right? Like in their own language. <laughs> chirp, 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 chirp. They pick, peck some grain and then they fly off. Biku just stand there and go, yep. And then you remember mm -hmm. you have a hot date. <laughs> and on like a Biku nodding and then turning to have the night of her life, we are going to cut to Dewey. Toward the end of this week, toward the end of your preparations, I think we find you conducting various, uh, let's say illicit experiments out of the public eye. Where are you and what are you up to? Uh, every evening, I think Dewey sneaks out of the shared tent that they're in um, and heads out like behind the tent and is wet and scooped up all the ceramic shards uh, he's like mended them all put them all back together so he can experiment you would see him behind the tent sort of pouring over these notes that he took and everything he remembers that Kilohana and Tarnok did um, and he's just trying to like recreate that soul holding magic um, but most of these experiments fail and you every so often you hear just like a a quiet explosion of uh, a pot and I think maybe someone like hears someone like walks out 
behind the tent to see what's going on. And he's just like leaning against the tent and his body is like covering up um, his entire workspace he's got. That's just like littered with littered with clay shards and notebooks and all the little bits and pieces he needs to try and do that magic. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just like some like soldier on patrol and they go, huh? Okay, whatever. And they, they like turn around as you're like, you know, like one hand on your head, one hand on your hip, and then whew, like you relax as soon as the soldier's out of you. And we see just like chaotic workspace with like shattered and then mended and then shattered like pieces of pottery and that like beautiful jar that is, you know, would ideally be the final product that the smithy created for you just like sitting in a corner nearby, right? Do we also sort of see like papers from like Kilohana and Tarnok's research like that you took like strewn about the space? Yeah, there are like key pages that are ripped out um, and the edges are like dog-eared because he's gone over them so many times to try and decipher what how they did it. Definitely. And I think for all of their treachery and betrayal and like working for the stranger thing, uh, they did seem to be have done legitimate research, right? Like that part they were not lying about. Like this stuff is real. Uh, and like, like as we see Dewey just sort of like trying to cobble together like cast mending on like shattered pieces and try to imbue it with magic we like pan past dewey to see some of these ripped out key pages and as we like pan over the pages we see like words scrawled like god jar question mark question mark and like mock-ups of what a jar could look like and like magic required like material components like question mark and like various like like special rare materials but the biggest one that's circled is part of a paragon's soul that phrase is circled, right? Like in red and like arrows pointing to it, right? And like, there's like literature like written like in like Tarnok's like messy handwriting at Kilohana's very neat, like almost ca- calligraphic handwriting like next to it, basically all stitching together to say like, a god jar is hypothetically possible to house the shattered echo of a god. But again, the material that the jar needs to be made of has to be like very special clay or very special gem or like pure gold or something. And it has to be inlaid with like a part of the paragon that the god belongs to's soul. So that like you ascertain that's probably why Tarnak attacked Oka the way that they did to like lance a part of Oka's soul out so they could create a god jar presumably for Vinash or something, right? So like, here's an uncomfortable truth, Dewey. For this god jar to truly work, according to these notes, you would have to shatter open a part of your own soul and imbue it into the jar. Uh, and you are not a soul surgeon. You would need someone like Oka and or Sitlali and or Dr. Aluso to facilitate that process. And I don't know if a beak is capable of doing that or Rev. Or honestly, even V. So Certainly maybe that, they're not willing to at this point. Definitely not willing. Abel is also a huge question. That's why like all these pottery bits keep exploding and the magic doesn't work is because it doesn't have that crucial component, which is a part of your soul. So I think he gets as far as he can uh, around the missing soul part because like you said, he, he doesn't know anyone who could um, help him do that right now. And he certainly doesn't want to ask them. Um, with where their relationship is at now. Uh, so he's just gonna keep that information for later. Um, and he figures if the time come, if it comes down to it, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how the week ends out with like Dewey just desperately trying and trying and trying and not working and maybe resigning yourself to a fate that you kind of suspected was gonna happen, which is to figure it out when you get there. 
when when Galtanger's nearby, maybe maybe Galtanger's magic will be strong enough to like siphon part of your soul out of your body and put it in the jar. Who knows? Who knows? Mysterious things can happen when god shards are uh, doing things. Uh, so I think the sunless dawn brightens the darkened sky as the final day arrives uh, on Abiku V, Rev, and Doobie's stay here at the military camp. Uh, and I think we cut now to maybe V first with the four horses. It's it's you and Rev, you have like a moment of quiet before Abiku, Dewey, and Manaya arrive on the scene. Uh, so like Rev is with you, like by the big gate, like next to the huge watchtower. So like the Ogumor River Valley, like spreading out in front of you, like rolling darkened hills of winter grass. Rev turns to you and she's, I think, threaded one of the flowers that you picked for her, like into her hair. Well, ready to go on a journey with these two? You know, I was just thinking about what Abiku is saying, and we do have to just focus right now, and whatever just happened in this a week or two ago, we just gotta put it behind us and focus on what we gotta do next. You're right. I'm gonna do my best to stop myself from punching Dewey in the beak every time I see him, but I feel much better now that we've had some time and space to process, and because of those beautiful flowers you picked, V. Well, you know, the flowers are only a mere symbol of your beauty. They don't really do justice to just how gorgeous you are, so... <laughs> um, they're the, they're just a mere, mere suggestion of what you put into my life. <laughs> You're such a sap. Uh, Who knew? V. Nakshirzel, notorious con woman, breaker of many hearts, was such a sap. Well, you know, when you forget half of your love life you've ever had and uh, get tremendously hurt by another love of your life at one point, you know, you, you go through a period of, like, maybe not being the most romantic person, but somewhere deep inside there's uh, not just a good friend V, maybe a, maybe a good lover V, I don't know. <laughs> Trust me, you are a very good lover. V blushes so hard right now. I, 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 I got you bigger horse. Here's the, I got you this horse. Right. Uh, she turns, and I think the horse that Rev has is like a big, kind of like dapple gray, like, mare. She's huge. Uh, and she's like very, like, muscular, even. Uh, seems like a very good, like, maybe like a draft horse or something. Definitely big and strong enough to hold Rev. She, like, pats the mare on the side of the neck and says, oh, I can't believe her name is Spotty. Don't worry about the name. This is... It's about what's inside of the horse. Your horse is called Shadow, which is, like, the objectively the coolest name for a horse ever. Look, it's... I didn't choose the name of the horse. The horse name chose me. That's... Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Okay, horse risk girl. And, risk and reward, baby. Uh-huh. Oh. Hey, Abiku. And she calls us. I think Abiku approaches with Toktoa yeah. uh, nearby. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, Abiku walks up with her hand around Toktoa's waist. Uh, hello, everyone. Oh, you got those horses. Mm, those are four of our best horses. Why did the stable master let you have them? Oh, I just... Very lovely, Baffa. Very lovely. I've really just... <laughs> you didn't sleep with her, did you? She's got a wife and kids. I would never thank you very much. I'm a married woman. Ah, uh, too bad. She's quite robust, or so I've heard. Uh, and Toktoa, like, turns to, like, look at you, Abiku, and, like, sort of, I think, like, pats your arm. 
<laughs> like yeah. as yeah, as you're saying goodbye. I mean, I've, I've known you a week. I'm sure you have many people you've been with. Yes, but uh, none quite like you. There's a lot you can get to when you don't need to sleep. <laughs> I have learned that uh, quite intimately. Well, oh, this is that has why been... you have all these circles under your eyes? <laughs> talk to talk to what looks at you, V, and just raises an eyebrow. And does not like deign to honor that with a response, uh, and just says, "I told you to take a nap. I would. I still have to take naps. I just don't have to. I do have to sleep eventually when I get tired enough and I've used too much magic. But it takes shh, a while for that. Darling, to shh. It's okay. Oh, my mages will take care of my exhaustion soon enough. But uh, it's nice to know I can still keep up. Uh, and uh, Taktua turns to your group, your party, uh, and says, Well, it's been a uh, pleasure getting to know you all this past week. Uh, some more than most. She, like, glances up at Abiku. But, uh, yes, the great herd needs to be dispersed, needs to be taken care of. Those horses belong to many of my people. If we can get them back into the ranks of our army, then we'll be very well prepared for the war that is to come. Not to mention the God Shard. Uh, speaking of which, as she looks around for Dewey to arrive. Dewey's late. Uh, <laughs> he's shuffling along as quickly as he can, holding this giant jar. Actually, there's like a tarp over it. There's like a cloth over the top of it. So he's just holding this enormous covered object. And he sees what's going on. He sees sees V and Rev with the flowers. Honestly, all of this is very traumatic, given what's just happened between him and the myriad and he like doesn't make eye contact with anyone after that and he like can't get on his horse fast enough do you want help with the dewey do you want the jaws very large do you do you want help with the jaws? i got it i got it's fine and he's struggling to get on the horse Uh, i think i'm gonna try yeah (laughs) as you try to get on the horse with like the jar slips more than once off the horse in a BQ, I think maybe you just like wordlessly <laughs> like push the jar back up and like secure it, right? Or you help yeah. Dewey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a BQ, uh, as after you help Dewey onto his horse, why don't you tell me what your horse looks like? Oh, my horse. Okay. I think my horse is the like, when you look up like horse, it's that. It's like just a brown, <laughs> just like normal, like very nothing fancy. She's like, I just would like. This horse seems great. His uh, name is Ronald. Great horse. It's great horse. Ronald the horse. Okay. I feel like the horse has a different name, and Beaky's like, "What? Like, speak? What's your name? Ronald." Yes. Okay, that is not what they all call you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> they call me. <laughs> they call me Firehoof, but uh, my name's actually just is Ronald. The horse's name is Ronald, by the way. You might want to get someone who can ask the other horses their names. I say to Taktoa, his name is yeah. Taktoa laughs and says, huh, right, you and your flights of fancies with these animals. Okay, I'll make sure the stable master knows that Firehoof is Ronald? That's an Ronald. odd name. I've never heard a name like that before. I Maybe it's a horse thing? It's quite exotic. Uh, thank you for telling me the horse's true name, Abiku. You're welcome. I get on my horse. Yeah, Ron goes, oh, oh, you're heavy guts. Uh, I could you, just walk, but I think we are meant no, to. No, no, it's walk. fine. I can take it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you get on, get on Ronald. Uh, Dewey, as you finally secure, like, the jar to the back of your own horse, what does your steed look like? Uh, I think my horse is technically a pony. It's much smaller than ever. 
Okay, ponies are really mean. So what color is this pony? Um, I think it's like a reddish orange, sort of like the brown that's like really warm. Like a red bone. You get on this pony that goes, like when you put the barrel on it and like you sort of see the horse wailing at you out of the corner of your eye. It's like sort of like the pony's like looking at you and like you just sort of like a biku, you hear the pony just mutter. But like, I don't think anyone else does. It's just a biku who hears the pony growling. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you all hop on your horses. Toktoa sort of a, does like a two-fingered salute, kind of winks up at a biku, and then turns to go back into the camp. She pauses when she's halfway through the guard gates to turn back and look at you again, and she says, Oh, and uh, Dewey, don't worry too much if you fail. I'll be able to pick up the slack when it comes to Galtanger. Good luck. <laughs> Sun bless you. And she like turns and like sidles off, right? And I think like that's when like, Rev is sort of like turning her horse around. The horse knickers, you know, hoof sort of clop against the dirt. Uh, and Manaya comes up, right? Because there is like a fifth unaccounted for horse that's about as big as Manaya is, right? And Manaya actually comes up with her axe strapped to her back. Uh, everyone, um, I'm so sorry for being absent this week. Uh, I got a letter. I got a letter a couple of days ago, and I've been thinking about it since, and I, I've reached... I've reached a conclusion. Some out-of-breath uh, member of the Andake Postal Service uh, came up to me the other night. Uh, they were silent as a shadow and fast, too, but that's besides the point. The storm in Uhanahi is coming closer, much closer than anyone has expected. Princess Kakoa sent this letter to me. She says I have to be at Uhanahi now to stop the storm and save the people of Uhanahi and take care of the god shard of Mahu. So, Dewey, and Manaya goes up to you, Dewey. I'm so sorry I can't be here for this, but Mahu needs me. My home needs me. You'll watch out for my family? Yes. They'll be in the storm shelter at the URL, so they might be safe and she like puts up like quotation marks around safe but I'll make sure to send word if I hear anything more about Uelani and Hana was it? Yes uh thank you of course V take care of everyone okay of course Manaya we will and V kind of like looks over at Dewey uh we will protect everyone with our lives good um, Abiku, I know we haven't known each other for very long, but, well, I guess you're going to be this party's big strong woman now. I will, I will take care of them well. Thank you. I know you will. You have a good heart. And Rev, we've known each other for a long time, ever since the monster fighting pits and the Court of Ravens and... Thank you for everything, and I hope you're able to settle things with the Myriad soon. Uh, and Rev just goes, yeah, uh, me too. Thanks, Manaya. Your, uh, compassion is always appreciated. <laughs> of course. Well, then, I suppose it's time for me to be off. And Manaya, like, swings herself onto her big stallion, right? Like, with her axe and her pack and everything, and nods. Good luck, everybody. I know you can do it. 
With that final nod, like Melania sort of tosses her head, her braids sort of flying over her shoulder, and she gallops off in like the other direction, right, that y'all are headed, like, and soon disappears into the early morning fog of Kirtal. Uh, and with that, I think like um, the the military camp begins to wake up. Like you hear like a horn sounding again, like like this like sharp bleeding noise as like you know everyone needs to wake up, right? Like people on the watchtower begin to like switch over from the night shift to like the day shift, uh, and like the, you smell like smoke and like cooking gas as like the outdoor kitchens start to heat up to make breakfast again. Uh, and Rev like pulls on the reins, like turns her horse around, and says, "All right, no time to waste, I guess." Dewey, Abiku? Yes, we should uh, make haste. Oh, also, there is some ever encroaching darkness that is bringing death and destruction. What? I was talking to some birds, and the first ones were afraid, and the second ones, I had to get them some money. I don't know why they wanted money. They are birds, but they wanted something shiny. So I had a whole contest with the Kaga, and you see how that turned out for me. Right, yes, uh huh. Uh, then I gave it to the to the crows, and they let me know there is some darkness that is ever encroaching. The herd is at the foothills to the north, and they also go somewhere else sometimes too, but there is a darkness that birds that are smart enough stay away from, except the vultures, because it brings so much death, so they like to eat there. There's one in charge, he's missing his left talon, his screech. Rev, like, pauses pointedly after this deluge of information and just goes, Okay. You know, I'm, I'm never gonna get used to how you tell things and stories, Abiku, I think, ever, so I'm just gonna take that in stride. The darkness, what do you mean? What, uh, is the herd the darkness? It, no, what? they made it seem like the darkness and the herd are two different things. Uh-huh. Like the darkness that came when the monsters came? I was not here for that. Or maybe I was, but I don't remember. Could this darkness be another empty beast? Y yes, y yes, yes. I am, I point to Dewey. He, he's the scientist. I do not know. I just give you all the information. Thank you I, for that information, Abiku. Does this change our path then? No, I don't think it should. In, in fact, it means we should hurry faster, right? If there's some sort of ominous death-dealing darkness uh, that's up north near where the herd and the shard of Galtenger is. She might be in trouble, Dewey. All right. Well, no time like the present. And Dewey uh, gives a couple of nervous pats to his pony and kicks a little, a little hesitantly and nothing happens. And then he kicks again harder. Uh, and the pony shoots off like a rocket. <laughs> like you almost fly off the pony as fast as hell. And like with that, like I think the rest of your group like begins to gallop after you. For the next couple of days, you travel, you camp, you travel, you camp. The military camp soon becomes just like a speck on the horizon uh, as your horses carry you over like rolling fields of dead and dying winter grass past huge lakes of black sand. Uh, just like Abiku was pointing out earlier, uh, as well as past like various pocketed sand dunes, um, little oases where like trees spring out and like little shrubs and ferns grow, uh, big rock formations uh, from the ruins of crumbled buildings and temples and old, ancient, magnificent settlements. And Abiku, over the course of days, right, always keeping the highlands like in front of you, because that's where you have to go, like the looming snow-capped peaks drawing closer and closer with each growing hour. Abiku, you get those flashes of visions again. 
especially as you see like crumbled ruined temples, there will just be a quick flash and you'll see like what you think it used to look like. A magnificent, huge shrine uh, to Galtanger here, right? Like another huge like spiraling spinneret there that used to be like an awning of like a massive castle, just flashes and images and the smell of lavender is just so pervasive every time. And you, you get the feeling that there's just something just out of reach for you here. Something about this place, something about seeing ruins, seeing vestiges of what Endake used to be is bringing memories back to you. But you never get like a long sequence, right? Or an extended scene or like a walkable memory that you did back in the camp. That doesn't happen again. And I think like as the days and the nights continue, you set up camp under like the starless dark, you set up like a watch order, you set up torches on, you know, the perimeter of your camp. Maybe you'd fight off a couple of empty beasts, you know, like the chicken boys, right, that are like sort of skittering along, like almost like their own little herds, right, like in the distance. The strange conglomerations of shadowy grasping hands that only appear at in the starless dark. Uh, and also like in the distance, you sort of hear like the roaring and braying and shrieking of various other kinds of empty beasts. Until, I think, your party reaches the Eric River, which is like a massive river that I think like informally demarcates where the lowlands end and the highlands begin right? Everything north of this Eric River is sort of in the shadow of the highlands, right? Creating like an area of like rain shadow almost, uh, where grasses are sparse. Um, and the river is quite wide, and it takes, I think, the four of you some time and effort and labor to ford it, because it's more than 500 feet across. So it's not as simple as just like dimension dooring across, right? And I think like you're able to like get your horses like through the fast-flowing silvery current, like through the icy like spray of like foam rushing over like frosted boulders until you reach the other side uh, of the bank. And this entire time, you see villages, like pockmarking the land, little clusters of like gurs and yurts and homes and little like herds and fields of domesticated sheep and horses and cattle grazing, right? But not as many as you thought you'd see. It seems like the vast majority of people are concentrated in the military camp. And like the few like outposts are like holdouts of people who are like anti-war and like anti-military movement, no matter uh, what the purpose of the war is for. So I think after your party fords the Ark River, Abiku, I think you might be a little distracted because the previous night, you, just like Rev, Dewey, and V, you had a rather unsettling dream. Yours was not a Paragon dream. While V and Rev and Dewey were sort of murmuring and tossing in their sleep, dreaming of crimson eyes and bleeding tar and monsters spawning and dead soldiers and us, eyes and wings and blood, you, for some reason, you dozed off, uh, even though you don't have to, even though you weren't supposed to. For some reason, the, all you remember before you just dozed off for maybe half a second is just like the smell of lavender suffusing your nostrils. And then you got like a vision, a sweet memory of your time with Toktoa, right? Without getting too explicit, all you remember is just sort of like, you know, soft bed sheets, Toktoa's smell, and like being with Toktoa, and then like Toktoa's face above you. But then there was like a crack of something and Toktoa's face transforms into someone else's face for like a split second. Someone with much darker skin, these bright gleaming eyes, a, a curved smile, some freckles on the left side of her face. And then, poof, and then I think you were like shaking out of this like vision and back to like guarding camp. And I think like, it's still unsettling you. I think it's still like roiling in your mind like after you ford the river. And maybe you're like a little, just a little out of it if, if, if it's okay mm -hmm. with you because of it. 
the image of that like freckled, lopsided smile, bright eyes, dark skin, like just flashes for like a hot second. That is not Toktoa's face, right? But for some reason, thinking of like being with Toktoa in an intimate way just caused that face to flash over her own. And the face feels familiar, but also so strange and distant too. Okay, I have when I have a question. When yeah. V was talking to Rev before he left about mm-hmm. like forgetting a love, would I have heard overheard that? Yes. I think Abiku. I think I'm gonna like like straddle you know on our horses over next to V. Um, V, could I talk to you for a moment? Yeah, of course. You mentioned. Um, I'm sorry. I was not trying to eavesdrop. Uh, but. You mentioned to Rev, you forgot someone you loved at one point? Yes. Um, many years ago, I was breaking into the Royal Library, and in order to get into the vault of the really good collections in deep within the library, I, uh, I had to sacrifice my happiest memory, which happened to be Lotus, my wife. Uh, oh. I complete so I thought I thought about Lotus as my happiest memory and foosh all of Lotus went away until just recently from my mind how how did you get it back uh I ran into Lotus unbeknownst to myself and she uh yelled at me quite a bit and suddenly it all came rushing back into my mind so you found her again and then it came back so if you do you think if someone found somebody, they could remember them? You know, magic is always very unpredictable sometimes, especially really high-powered magic. But maybe if you come across someone that you've forgotten, it might help jar your memory and you might have things return to you. Okay, that's, that is helpful, thank you. Of course. Are you a good artist? If I describe someone, could you make a picture and I could show people? You know, all I could think about was if you described them well enough, I could make myself look like them, but, uh... Oh, I don't... That might be weird. Uh, I will think about that, I guess, if we find people that may know the... I think I remembered someone, and I can't... It it feels important. Uh, Rev, who also hears this conversation, just sort of chimes in, says... The uh, heart never truly forgets. Yes. Well, I, I will. I am sorry to bother you and kind of like pulls her horse back. <laughs> I think as your party continues, the bracing, sweeping air just sort of like stings your cheeks, filling your lungs with like the chill of deep winter at this point. All around you is the smell of just like crisp outdoor air, untainted by people's like smoke uh, or fire or any sort of agriculture or anything like that. Just fresh, free air, just open horizon from east to west, the huge looming highlands to the north. And beyond that, miles and miles beyond that, you all know Morose and the frozen Zima Lake, right? But that's far away from here. A, a mere whisper of a memory of a suggestion. And I think later that afternoon, edging into early evening, the sunless light beginning to fade from the sky, but not quite, is when the four of you come upon the ruined camp. You see it first as a tiny speck on the horizon. What appears to be maybe gurs, yurts, 
uh, which is interesting because ever since crossing the river, you hadn't seen any people settlements at all. Uh, but you see like in the distance, like, like half a dozen yurts on the distance. And Rev just goes, oh, thank goodness. I've been wanting to take an outdoor shower for a while now. Maybe they have a bucket with some water uh, and some soap. Some soap would be nice, right? She's just sort of like muttering to herself. But as your party gets closer, you realize that something's very, very wrong. The gurs, which are like these big yurts covered in like hide and wood, are flattened. Like they've been run over or like stampeded or like destroyed, right? You see like the elevated platforms that they're on are crushed with like splinters of wood just like breaking and like stabbed into the earth around them. And there's just like smoldering remains of like a, a campfire. Uh, and as you get closer and closer, like you see like strewn pots and pans, just like various ripped clothing and yes, corpses. Bodies of people are sort of like lying face down in this like kicked up uh, earthy mud and circling around the camp in the air are several vultures and there are several other carrion birds like pecking the detritus, let's say. Well, this looks like a very not promising sign. Or promising if... The herd is unpredictable and there's some kind of shadow, nothing that's causing destruction, then we are going the right way. Dewey, are you okay? Uh, Dewey's pulled Dewey's pulled his horse to a stop. Does it look like this place was like recently inhabited? Like the fire just went out? Make a perception check from up on your pony. Nine? It looks like maybe it happened one or two days ago. Like, the, the fire isn't recent, uh, but there's, like, smeared charcoal all over the ground, uh, and some of the corpses are in a state of, like, more rapid decay than nature would allow because the vultures have been pecking at it. We would be looking for some, like, uh, footprint, you know, animal markings to, like, which direction everything maybe came and went to. Yeah, roll investigation uh, in the mud and the muck. So, five... There are all kinds of tracks everywhere. It's just sort of like a muddied mess. You can't make heads or tails. You don't know if they're people tracks, if they're animal tracks, but there are definitely tracks everywhere. What about you, Abiku? Not that I'm a one trick kind of gal, but I'm gonna, to the vultures, speak with animals. Oh, uh, where is Screech? Screech? Uh, I think two big vultures are pecking at like a rather large body. And like they both turn to look at you. And as you see, as like one turns, you see that it's perched on only one talon. Oh, uh, yes, you're the one in charge here. May I speak with you? Uh, the vulture cocks his head to the side, like beady black eyes glimmering. Uh, I think beak dripping with gore, like with like a little bit of like flesh mm -hmm. dangling out of its mouth, and it like snaps it up into its throat and swallows. What's it to ya? Well, I gesture. Things like this are not good for other people, so I, we are trying to figure out what is going on, and I was told you and your people are the only ones who stay close enough to really see. Yeah. Ah, the other birds in this area are cowards, I tell ya. But where there's death, there's a meal. Well, I can see that. The circle of life definitely has its importance and balance for all of us. You speak our language, but not just that. You seem to know of our culture, too. Approach. I look at the other the other three. I will get some more information, and the rest of you will try and figure out what it means. Tell your friends not to move the bodies. We're not done feasting here. 
They Especially are, that not- one. Uh, and Shriek like cuts in and you see Rev is like approaching a body. Uh, Vulture has taken off because it doesn't want to be near this yeah. person. And Rev is starting to like very sadly like pick the body up and like start oh. to like perform rites on it. Rev, uh, they ask you not to move the bodies just yet. They what? are not done. Who, the, the vultures? I like point back. Yes. <sighs> These people were killed by gods knows what the least they deserve are final rites. Well, you could still give it to them when they are done. They, this, the circle does continue, yes. <laughs> Rev looks at you with like inc- an incredulous look. And like, <laughs> she just like shakes her head and like ignores you and continues to like, like I think like wash the body down and like, you know, like take care of it. Uh, is, I look back, it's, is, is the washing okay or is that the... Yeah. That's, uh, I smell the stench of crow feathers on that one. Uh, servant of the Raven Queen, I see. <sighs> Never liked ravens yes. myself. Always pecking on and on and on about the sanctity of life and death. But I've seen more than one crow in my life peck at a human skull. Oh, yes, I... Hypocrites, uh, the lot of them. Yes, one second. Uh, Rev, I just... You respect life and death, yes? Obviously. Do these carry and not also respect life and death? They have a purpose in the cycle as well. These people were killed yes. violently. I don't know what that carrion crawler wants, but strike a different kind of deal with them. I'm not letting them eat these people anymore. Their oh, bodies oh, oh. deserve rest. Well, Vee was going to say something, but after that, never mind, he shuts up. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, um, <laughs> you hurt, you hurt my girl. <laughs> the vulture cocks his head to the side and says, I picked up on a few of those people words. If you, uh, if you really want some information out of me, you're gonna have to promise us a bigger meal than this. Oh, you don't? Okay. So, um, well, whatever the shadow thing is, I'm guessing we will have to kill it. I don't know if you want to eat it, but you can eat that. Oh, we can't eat the hunter. Bad meat it's full of. What do you mean? And Shriek, like, turns his, like, elongated neck to the side and, like, blinks his eyes and snaps his beak. I've already said too much. I'm not going to say no more without some payment. You want something bigger. Okay, well, what if I... I cannot go do it now, because as you can see, we will be quite busy. But when we are done and I have some time, I will hunt for you for a week. A week? A week's worth of food. Uh, We want enough food to feed us for a month. Oh, I don't think you understand how good I am at hunting. Hmm... I'll prove it. If you prove to us how good you are, we'll take the deal. Okay, how would I prove it here? And I gesture again to the one, the like destruction. Shoot an arrow. Shoot an arrow up at the sky. Okay, just and in just into the sky. Yeah, and we'll see where it lands. I beaker, gobble, <laughs> get up there. <laughs> and like two of the vultures, like. <laughs> fly up into the air and they begin like circling lazily uh and shriek shriek says it goes without saying but don't shoot my friends well no of course not i am a very good archer i will not hit your friends and i just i'll shoot an arrow into the sky <laughs> okay roll athletics uh, make a make a uh, strength performance roll actually uh how is he 26 whoa the arrow is it like a magical arrow yes i i can't i do not have a single normal arrow on me shoots into the sky and like the two like 
uh, vultures up top like caw out in like surprise and startlement as the arrow mm -hmm. disappears. And like we see like five seconds later, the arrow like lands like half a mile away or something. Uh, and Shriek flutters his wings. <laughs> well, eight to be damned. Looks like you sure do know how to hunt. You are all very informed birds. Of course, of course. Don't you know we vultures live a long time? We've been around the block a few times. We know how you people work. We travel after your caravans and we pick up after your dead. We know of your cultures. Do you well, know of ours? I, well, I feel like I do, but I don't know much of anything, so I don't know why I know much. But that's what I was trying to explain to my friend here, is we all share this planet, this place, but... It, it sometimes feel like people think all you animals are just, you know, just animals. Just animals. We're not just animals. Perhaps I, to you people, that. but... Well, very well. I will accept the terms of your deal. Come on, boys. No more eating. We'll have a feast in a week or so. Now, what do you want to know? You, you said the hunter's full of bad meat. Also, you called it the hunter. Also, everything. Mm, well, you might want to rest up for this one, friend. It is a tale of darkness and despair. Ever Every since it is story time, <laughs> I sit, I sit <laughs> down. V has been watching this whole conversation and only getting Abiku's part of it, and just been yeah. like, "What is she talking about?" And have you see Abiku sit down once again? <laughs> I think very cautiously, V walks over and. It's like, Abiku, you're going to have to translate the story for us. Oh, okay. I will make sure that is okay so I don't throw them off. Because sometimes when two people talk at the same time, it can be awkward. Um, is it okay if I translate for my friends as you go along? Very well. I will try not to interrupt. You can. You can. I turn on Arnold Translator. Imagine I'm <laughs> translating this. <laughs> okay. Dewey, do you also come close? Uh, I think Dewey stays a good distance away, maybe with the horses holding onto the reins of everyone's horses. Okay, yeah. And Rev is very carefully, like, pulling corpses out of rubble, like, washing them down, performing final rites. Mm -hmm. She seems very sad. Um, and is, like, muttering, like, a prayer in Raven speech as she, like, like closes people's eyes and, like, sprinkles mm -hmm. dust over them and whatnot. Amidst this, Shriek cocks his head to the other side and says, Well, well, well. Ever since the eight abandoned us the stars went dark and the weave snapped some strange darkness has settled in the land here in Kirtal we call it the hunter and the hunter chases the great herd we also call it the shadow spear the death hound I can't quite describe it we're smart enough to stay away when we hear it a-coming at night. But it's, uh, massive. Taller than any tree I've ever seen. Big enough to scoop one of my boys clean out of the sky and into its depthless black maw. It's got hounds with it. It's got a spear. I don't really know what else it looks like. Can't really explain it, see? But it chases that herd, and that herd runs, and it runs, and it runs. How are no people seeing this? Well, it's pure black. Yes, people have very bad eyes. Birds have very good eyes. Exactly. And it only comes out at night. And, and any people... Exactly. Any people who have seen it, well, 
this is what happens in its wake. And Shriek, like, nods his head at the trampled village. Hmm. Thank you for your wise words, Shriek. You are truly a help to the world. You're very welcome. You'll find that north of here, about 50, 100 feet away, there are these big craters in the ground. That's from where the hunters, uh, spears of darkness, I suppose, jab into the earth, leaving this parched dirt and desiccated grass behind. Okay, so that is where it's tried to hit the herd and miss. Well, it doesn't always miss, but the herd is very large with a lot of animals in it. It can take a couple of losses here and there. I see. When you see the herd, do you see... Is it just animals? Do you see anything else? There are all kinds of animals. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I'm 25 years old. There's uh, horses, cattle, elephants even. Huge woolen animals I've ain't never seen, aside from what some of the ice birds up in Moreau's say. Big oh, woolen yes, beasts with tusks. Yes, You've seen like- them? Yes, they look like elephants, but with fur. Yes, but with fur. It's extremely weird and very odd. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it before. They've also got uh, rhinos. They've got zebras. They've got uh, all sorts of animals. I've never seen anything like it all working together, protecting Mm. something at its center, I think. But none of my boys have ever gotten a good look at it. Well, that is all quite helpful. I... Would like to speak with you again and get you your food, so I recommend you stay out of the area until we are done. All right, we'll just stay here then. Fair enough. Uh, and I guess if we could look at V, who's saying that V, have you ever heard of something like this on your travels? No, this this sounds very unique to uh, this area. You know, every area that we've been to is like has its own thing. Yes. It sounds like this thing's thing is something probably from the stranger hunting Galtanger. It almost sounds like if Galtanger's son, then it sounds like the knight is trying to snuff her out. Definitely doesn't sound good. It sounds like we definitely should try to find Galtanger and hopefully not find this hunter until we're ready. But Yes, I hope... Dewey is ready to help Galtanger. It sounds like he should only be safe if he can get the god shot, and only one of us can do that. Yeah, Dewey. There's only... he <laughs> has got a distant stare going on after hearing all of this. Rev actually approaches and chimes in. Mercy mentioned something to me about uh, one of her exes was an emissary named Unme. Yeah, Mercy bet, uh, slept with an emissary. It's a long story. And this was in Jukai by Three Hoof Lake. And Mercy mentioned something about Unme being menaced by an empty beast, some sort of tar black slick in the water that was almost like it was made to fight her, to poison her, to whittle her down. Like the empty beast knew exactly who Unme was and what her weaknesses were. This feels a little too similar to that. How did they dispatch of that? Uh, as far as I know, the hounds just killed it. They just hit it a lot and it died. Well, hey, if they could do it, we can't be that hard for us to do it, right? We've got, we got two paragons. We've got a uh, paragon in training and we've got uh, a biku. That's me. I mean, if it 
can just die, then yes, we can truly just do that. I, we, I'm sure all of us are quite adept at that, but I do... Do we do you, or is your thing going to work? Uh, the the jar? Y- yes, if you aren't going to let it be in your body. Uh, I don't think Dewey answers. Um, he sort of like <laughs> gets up and like starts like getting ready to get on the move again with the horses or whatever. Real promising, Quirk. Real, real promising. You're oozing Maybe- confidence. No, Dewey, you just did not hear me. I asked if the god jar would work, not if you had it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he uh, he heard you. Oh. I mean, if it Let doesn't know. work, we have you, so that is okay. Yep, that's uh, that's the plan, all right. Uh, let us know when you're done with all the last rites, Rev. I'm done. That's just, that's the only body left. And she gestures at the body that Shriek is still standing on. All right, all right, Raven Lady. Don't let, don't get your feathered cape all in a tussy. <laughs> Not like she can understand me. Uh, and Rev speaks back in the vulture's language, like a clicking, like bird language. I understand you. I just don't like you. But <laughs> well, well, well. I like you a lot better than her. Uh, Shriek says to you, Abiku. And then, that like, is, I, I seem to keep getting that. Yeah. Uh, the vulture with two big flaps of its wings. <laughs> like gusting outward toward you like ascends into the air and like leaves this final corpse behind <sighs> all right guess we're gonna be hunting a hunter how hard could it be <laughs> you are the ranger here aren't you why don't you tell us oh yes well you see it sounds like this thing is hunting the herd and if we follow the herd we will surely find this thing at night frankly if we bed down now I don't know if any of us will miss a sounds like 15 foot tall giant carrying a spear with a bunch of dogs. Hmm. All right. How about we, it's getting dark anyway. Uh, let's make camp a little ways away from here and uh, see what we can find. Let's not go to sleep yet. Uh, and I think we cut to that. We cut to camp a little ways away, maybe a hundred feet away from this ruined village, uh, maybe at the bottom of a slope. Uh, you all set up maybe like torches. I don't know if you pull out bedrolls yet, but you're like squatting down, like warding yourselves against the elements here, like by putting up like tents and maybe like starting to put your bags down. Uh, but Rev has Grim at the ready, like this scythe, she's already summoned it. She's just like holding it, balancing it against her, her legs as she squats against a boulder and just waits. And your horses are all sort of like chained to like a hitching post that somehow survived the stampede uh, of the hunter like nearby. And your horses are just like grazing ambiently on winter grass nearby um, as the darkness all around you becomes darker and darker and darker until the only pinpricks of light near you are your torches. You can only see as far as your torches can shed light. And I think maybe like four or five hours in, when it's like fully night, like maybe 1 or 2 a.m. at this point, you all hear a noise. Or rather, you feel a noise. Uh, a deep, bassy vibration. Just sort of like... On the ground all around you. And you can sort of like hear like pebbles like shaking off of the ground, like, like all around you. And like you all hear Rev go, I think it's coming. Everyone get ready. Uh, as like... Like what sounds like massive multiple like footsteps or like paw steps or hooves. You don't know what they are. It just sounds like huge wooden stone pillars slamming onto the earth. Like maybe 300, 500 feet away from where you are. And finally, 
uh, on the edge of like the light, uh, you see the sort of like spindly kind of like shifting amorphous like oozing like rubbery kind of like sticky and stretchy shadow sloth into view one kind of just like almost like a pseudopod or something like a slick fat shadow ooze uh, and then take the shape of what appears to be a paw uh, and like a trunk lassos its way up like marrow spinning into lace up onto like an arm, uh, and then the arm sort of cracks off to the side, forming like an upper arm, and then like a torso, and then just sort of like like gurgling into existence, like the black roughened head of what appears to be a mastiff. Um, but the thing about this like hunting dog almost uh, is that it's the size of a small hill, so it's thirty feet tall. And then you see an even darker darkness above it, maybe eighty feet tall. Uh, begin to loom into view and sort of like cast like a, a massive shadow over where the four of you are planted. And I need all of you to roll initiative. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at Transplaner RPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at Transplaner RPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.